Hey fam, before we get to the episode, I just wanted to let you know that the applications for the fundraising accelerator are open now. Applications are due July 14th, and I'm capping the cohort at 20 people. It's starting to fill up, and this is the last time I'm offering this in 2023. So if you're ready to take your fundraising to the next level and start to focus on your major gifts, apply today at riawong.com. Hope to see you there. Welcome to Nonprofit Lowdown. I'm your host, Rhea Wong. Hey, podcast listeners, it's Rhea Wong with you once again with Nonprofit Lowdown. Today, we have a very popular 107 people registered for this call. Unprecedented. You're like the Beyonce, Robbie Fowler. Today, we are talking about using ChatGPT for fundraising. So welcome, Robbie. Thank you. I'm super excited and glad to be in the same class as Beyonce. It's a good life aspiration. We should all be so lucky. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Okay. Before we jump into it, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. You are a branding and marketing strategist. I was reading your LinkedIn. I like that you said, stop random acts of marketing. But before we jump into the nitty gritty details of ChatGPT, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I help people start, grow, and monetize an online business. The key is an online business that's worth giving your life to. And I do that, especially with folks when your name and your reputation are synonymous with the brand and with the business. So that tends to be consultants and coaches and maybe course creators, solopreneurs, anyone that's trying to build an online business where your name and your reputation are synonymous with the business. I think you should build one worth giving your life to because it is going to be what you give yourself to. Robbie, you're talking to nonprofit folks right now. These are people who have given blood, sweat, tears, and their lives to a cause. So I feel like a lot of folks are resonating with that. But before we get into the real technical nitty gritty, because I have so many questions about prompts and chaining and all that good stuff. For those of us who are very new to ChatGPT, Robbie, what is ChatGPT and how can people use it to build their business? ChatGPT is an online resource that uses AI, which stands for artificial intelligence. And you can skip all the techie stuff and think of it as if somebody gave you like a free robot assistant, right? So it is there to help you do lots of stuff. One of the unique things about it though, is that how you interact with it is fairly straightforward. It's pretty similar to how you would type out instructions to an assistant. If you had an assistant that you couldn't see face-to-face because you're remote and you're just typing instructions back and forth. It works like that. So it uses natural language. It can understand what you ask. You can ask it if it understands and it will tell you yes or no if it needs more details. So it's an online resource. You can sign up and get a free account. And then there is a pro version that's $20 a month, but it's easy for anybody to go try. And it's the kind of thing probably that's best understood as you mess with it a little bit than it is to try to understand it in theory. But essentially think of like text messaging a robot that can be your assistant and help you do stuff. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, Robbie. And for those folks on the call, I created, you inspired me. I created a chat GPT bundle for nonprofit fundraiser Mm -hmm. because I think we're all trying to get our heads around this technology. I don't even know where to begin. There's so many interesting use cases, but I think on the on the 
early end of things, people can use it to do things like write emails or for those that are running grants, like maybe getting a start on grant proposals. On the more sophisticated end, you can use it to as personas, which we'll get into. But what would you recommend to folks who are totally new to it, find it to be super overwhelming and just don't really even know where to get started? Where to begin? Yes. Where to begin is, first of all, begin with one AI tool. Because there are, while we're on this call, Rhea, there's going to be like 10 more new AI tools likely that come out while we're doing this call. So it can get real easy to just get overwhelmed with all of the different places you could go to do different AI things. So in this instance, we're talking about one tool, which happens to be one of the most popular tools, and it's chat GPT. So the first thing, just start there. Okay, so I would, if I was you, I would create a free account at ChatGPT, and I'm sure we can throw the link for that, like, where do I go do that? Or you can just search for that, and you will find it real quick. So that's the first thing. Start with one thing. I would recommend ChatGPT because it is very popular. There's lots of articles and resources you can find, and it's free. Okay, once you sign up, I would also recommend grab at least one resource to help you begin to use that process. Again, there are lots and lots of places. Rhea just mentioned one. I have a buddy and I, we've created one. So you can find them all over the place from free resources to blog articles or whatever, but find at least one resource to help you get started using ChatGPT. And then the last thing I would add, this takes a little getting used to until you understand when you go to ChatGPT, chat GPT and you get started, you're just going to ask it a question. The challenge would be, you can imagine, again, the easiest thing to do is think of this like an assistant, like you just hired a new assistant. So let's say I'm a nonprofit leader and I meet Rhea somewhere, just bump into her. I know her because she's super famous. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get to talk to her. And I just come right up to her out of nowhere. She's never met me before. And I say, Rhea, could you give me five ideas? for fundraising for my nonprofit. Now, Rhea's probably gonna be very gracious and generous. If she's really busy, maybe she'll just be like, Ali, I don't wanna just cut you off. And she will just give me five generic things I might go do. And if I'm, depending on my experience, that, those may be helpful, but it's very likely that those are super generic, that they're not gonna be real helpful, not gonna apply to me. And also she wouldn't do that. She's gonna say, oh, I would like love to help. She's gonna, Let's catch our breath. Super. She's going to let's hug it out. Okay. Now tell me a little bit about your nonprofit. Make sense? So this is the same way we need to think of when you're getting started with ChatGPT. You need to tell it what you need help with. And essentially what you're going to find is you start messing around with it. There are things called personas and you're going to tell it to take on the persona. Like I want you to take on the persona. You are a helpful assistant. You are a copywriter. You are a marketing expert. You are a social media expert. So you assign it so it knows what role you're hiring it for. Okay. And I think if you'll start with that understanding, because if you just go ask it some generic stuff, give me five fundraising ideas for my nonprofit. That's not going to be, again, it might give you something, but that would be just like walking to Perea and just going, Hey, I've listened to your podcast. Give me five ideas for my nonprofit. You might be surprised at how often that happens. Okay, wait. So before we get into the technical stuff, because I really love the technical stuff, a lot of what I've heard, and I'd be curious about your thoughts is, oh my gosh, Robbie, this is going to 
this is going to put people out of work, which mm-hmm. funny enough with nonprofits, like the common complaint is that we don't have enough people to do the work. So I'm like, this actually should be great for you. Anyway, <laughs> what is your response? That this is going to put people out of work. And I think this speaks to the technical aspects of sure. ChatGPT. Sure. Ultimately, I don't know that anybody exactly knows the full impacts it will have. It has the feel of a fairly significant disruptor like the printing press, something like that. Time will tell. Like the internet, maybe like the iPhone. So it has that feel. What impact is that going to have on particular jobs? I think likely, again, I'm just guessing. I don't know. I think likely, yes, it will have an impact on those whose job primarily is maybe niched down execution. Here's what I mean. I'm a copywriter that writes copy for, I'm an email copywriter. Okay, will ChatGPT take my job today? Not likely. Will it take some of my revenue today? It could if somebody's smart and realizes, hey, ChatGPT could get me 80% down the road, and then I could come to you, expert human, for the last 20%. So it might take a little bit of my revenue. What it can't do, which is good for nonprofit, anyone on the nonprofit this on this call, a couple things it can't do. It can't do, I don't think it's going to replace strategy anytime soon. It can give some kind of generic strategy, but if you're on the heavy execution side, I, I create social media campaigns. Yeah, it might start creeping into your revenue a little bit. But if you're on the strategy side or the other thing it can't do, okay, so cheer nonprofits, it can't tell your stories of transformation. Can't do it. Yeah. Can't produce it and can't tell it. (laughs) So much of what I find interesting, and I think you did this in the training, is it can't, it's not very good at conveying emotion, like the Mm -hmm. warmth. It's not very good at storytelling because it has no actual expertise to draw on. And frankly, it's not very good at, I, what, I think it'll get better. It's not very good at capturing brand voice. And mm-hmm. I know as somebody who works on brand voice, like you are your personality. You are the brand, as it were. Can you talk to us a little bit about, like, is that right? And do you see a world in which ChatGPT can start to get into those lanes? Yes, it can. If you know how to teach it, you can create something called a voice paragraph. So you can feed it examples of your writing. And you can say, now I need you to help me. This is how I write. Create a, basically like a stamp imprint. Do you have a feel for my style? Whatever. Because remember, it's artificial intelligence. So it's learning as you continue to give it information. It doesn't forget the last thing you told it. It can keep track of that. And so you can actually teach it some of that. I don't obviously think it's a full replacement, but you don't, you're not starting from zero. I have done that with fair success, again, as long as you're feeding it lots of information like you would a new assistant that you just hired. like They've got to be around your nonprofit organization for a little bit before they get what you do and how you do it and your vibe and how you speak to donors and how you answer the phone and all that stuff. It's the same kind of thing. So there is some of that you can do on the brand or kind of the writing style or the brand voice. You can teach it and it can begin to learn some of that over time. Again, not 100% to replace that I think completely. Again, what I don't think it can do is it cannot help you spot stories of transformation. It's not like out in the field with you. It's not getting those stories of what's going on. And it could maybe help you craft that story 
a little bit or maybe improve the writing, but it's not going to be able to write the story the way that you can write the story. It's not going to know that the story exists without you knowing it. And that is one of the most effective tools for fundraising, research shows, right? It's not the stats and the facts and the figures. What raises funds is when you tell a single compelling story. That's the most effective fundraising you can do. Smart folks have already done the research and figured that out. Yeah, we can get into the brain science of it, but essentially it ignites the the part of the brain that is correlated with emotion and family. And as we all know, family doesn't make a whole lot of sense. There you go. Talk to me about some of the ways in which ChatGPT revolutionizing nonprofits and specifically fundraising. I actually have a client that is a nonprofit and it's a faith-based nonprofit raising, I think they're always raising money right now. They're in a capital campaign for, I think, like $6 million coming up on their 50th year anniversary. And so we've used it, that we started this campaign really before ChatGPT jumped on the scene, really December, January is when it really took off and people really started noticing it. So the campaigns have been going before that, but it, we've used it for some fairly simple things like help me write a compelling subject line for this important email that's going out as part of the campaign. No more. You're email that's connected to your fundraising campaign is only as good as that subject line. So even something as simple as that, most of us aren't compelling copywriters and it can write something that is far more likely to get open. And you can ask it, for example, give me five subject lines for this. Tell it about the email. You can even insert the text of the email and say, create five subject lines that will increase open rates for this email. You can ask it for help with social media around campaigns. You could ask it for ideas on how to promote a fundraising campaign if you tell it a little bit of information. And so there's lots of ways, big and small, to begin to get help from it. And as you try it out and go, could it help me with this particular, this one email? So those are a few ways you could research. You can ask it to go do research on your behalf, either about donors or about a particular topic or subject. Just one thing to keep in mind is the natural language resource behind AI, chat GPT, was fed a ton of information from the internet and then it cut off in 2021. So it's not going to know anything from when they like close the gate onward. So don't look for, I want the late, literally the latest trends from quarter one of 2023 about blah, 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 blah. It's not going to know that. It might guess. So you need to be smart enough to know if it guesses and convinces me that I know that maybe an educated guess, it can't be right because it doesn't have information from quarter one of 2023. But those are some things you can begin to do. And you can ask it like you would an assistant. Hey, I know you've had other experiences, assistant, right? Because you're not like a one-year-old. You've lived some life. You're 25, you're 35, you're 45. You brought some other experiences. Anything else you see that you could help us with with fundraising? You can ask it. I'm trying to do a fundraiser. What are some ways you can help me? Oh, that's it's so meta to ask. Yeah, ask it. Yeah. 
a couple of things that I've been using it for. So the, it's been really helpful to develop a donor avatar. So folks mm -hmm. who have been through my training know that if I'm trying to think about the my potential ideal donor and I want to create an avatar to be able to speak to that donor, it creates like a really interesting profile, which actually is like scarily accurate with mm -hmm. some of the donors that I had. I also had it do a data analysis for me. So I cut and pasted in some a spreadsheet with donors giving history, I would put in engagement mm -hmm. numbers, et cetera, and asked it to come up with some insights based on the data that I fed it. Yep. Yeah, you can ask it stats. So you could feed it information about donors and say, you tell it whatever you want. Hey, break that down into kind of three groups of donors, L large, medium, small, whatever you want to call it, right? Tell me how many are in each, what percentage they represent, and what the average gift is in that group. Like you can, and It'll go away like a good little assistant, and it'll come back and spit that out. You can, as you start to learn to use it, you can t say, put that in a table that I can use, and you can grab it and pull it over into Excel or Google Sheets or something like that. But you can, yeah, you can have it go look through data that you feed it and ask it for pretty nerdy, geeky stuff. Okay, let me ask you this because I think our donors are savvy, right? And so they mm -hmm. also know that ChatGPT is out there. So how is it that we can leverage ChatGPT without also making it seem like we're robots talking to our donors? Because yeah. content um, is now cheap. Yes, you can. Yeah, we have the ability to crank out content like never before. The challenge is before chat gpt really took off in the last couple of months i don't know if you know this little secret your donors are busy right so what i tell like anybody that i'm working with in this space so you need to take, okay, sit down take a deep breath okay here's what you've got to remember your donor is just as busy today as you are it's just not with raising the funds for your nonprofit. they're just as busy compelled they're getting emails from their family from their Coworkers, right? And that when your email lands in the middle, like of a super busy Monday afternoon, when their daughter has called them four times already because the apartment lease just fell through, or whatever the case may be. So the fact that you can just crank out mediocre content is not necessarily a win for fundraising nor for your donor if you actually want to serve them. Part of what you want to do is don't turn your humanity off, don't turn your intelligence off. You're using it as an assistant. As a general rule, ChatGPT, think of it this way, can get you 80% of the way there, whatever that is in general. It can usually get you 80% of the way there. It can help you craft a story if you feed it some facts and information and get you about 80% of the way there. If you have a really important fundraising letter that you're trying to write and you want it to help with the first draft, and again, you feed it some facts and figures, boom, it's going to just get you 80, 85% of the way there much faster. It's still your job to come back and go, oh, we wouldn't really say it that way, rather than trying to go back and totally tweak it again. It will learn some of that over time, but it still needs you to insert yourself as a human that knows exactly what's going on in the world, what just happened. I know I'm from a particular part of the country that was just affected by some pretty major stuff that happened over the weekend. ChatGP does not know that. And it might suggest a subject line of an email or something around a fundraiser that I would know as a human, that's not a good idea given my context, right, where I am. So you still need to insert yourself. You still have the ability, like, it's not in charge. You're in charge. So you can go, I don't like any of those five ideas. Give me five more. 
or I've done this a lot. Oh, that's brilliant. It's not quite what I want, but it gets me where I need to go. So I can insert the, the couple of words that improve it ready to go. So use your human discretion like you always have. And yeah. just like you would with a real assistant, right? If you hire an assistant, this person is helping you. You're, it's still your job to kind of look and go, oh, that's wonderful. I'm going to couple things and then this is ready to go out the door. So I've been scouring the internet and watching YouTube and your trainings and all the rest of it. And there's some really interesting use cases out there. So what are some of the more interesting use cases you've seen? One of my favorites is someone tried to make ChatGPT their therapist. <laughs> yeah, so some interesting use cases I've seen is you can turn it into an extremely effective like prompt generator. Like you can tell it to, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I'm trying to get out of you. Can you write a prompt that will start? We haven't really talked about this yet, but when you get in chat GPT, it is much messaging on your phone, right? So if you started a text message with me, just you and I, right? And we're talking about stuff. And then you start a separate text message with your best friend that I'm not in. That's separate. And then you start another text message with Rhea. That's, so we got three different messages going on. And no one in any of those messages knows what's going on in the other messages. That's the way you need to think about chat GPT. When you start a new conversation, it starts a thread. And you want to keep that thread. Essentially, you want one thread per topic or function. I want social media help. So you don't go to the social media help one and then say, ooh, and I also want help with email subject lines. Ooh, and I also want you to run these stats, right? It's a persona. You can hire as many assistants as you want. Keep one thread connected to one function, right? And when you do that, one of those things you could do is you create a thread that says, this is the thread that helps me write prompts for ChatGPT, which is extremely weird and meta. This yeah. is what I'm trying to create. You create the prompt that's going to just crush it for me and help get the best out of you. <laughs> So let's talk about prompts, because for anyone who's played around with ChatGPT, the answer that you get is only as good as your prompt. What makes a good prompt versus a bad prompt? Or I should say mm -hmm. bad prompt, a generic prompt. Yeah, usually it's, I find it maybe works best if your personality happens to be a little bit detail-driven, right? <laughs> happens to be a little bit like slower, let's get it right the first time kind of thing. If you just start firing away, it might take you a little bit longer to get there. So for those in the room that have a natural inclination towards patience in detail, welcome. Finally, right? Finally, something. I, we're a bunch of New Yorkers. Favorite. Nobody is patient here on this call. Please continue. Uh, so yeah, just you're stuck in traffic. Okay. So just relax. You're not going to get anywhere any faster. So it's really the amount of detail that you're able to give it, particularly upfront, right? Upfront. So normally when I'm starting something, for you, if you're just doing this for your nonprofit org, then what I would recommend is maybe you keep like a document, like a Google Doc or whatever. We've got all of the kind of basic information about your nonprofit that you can copy and paste when you start a new ch chat thread. So you're in chat GPT and you're like, I need help with social media. So I'm going to create a social media expert. I'm going to tell this to take on the persona social media expert and have it help me with some social media around my nonprofit organization. So when you do that, you're going to give it an initial starting prompt and then you're going to you're going to have to tell it stuff about your nonprofit. 
And the best way and the easiest way I often do that is go to your homepage of your site. And you say, in order for you to help me with my social media, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my nonprofit organization. Here's some messaging from my homepage found at this URL. You can go ahead and give it the URL because if you're working for something huge like the American Cancer Society, that existed before 2021. Okay. Secondly, that's really big. And there's a very good chance ChatGPT already goes, oh, I know a fair amount of information about the American Cancer Society. If you just started your nonprofit last week, it's probably not going to know that. If it's a smaller niche nonprofit, niche or niche for my Canadian friends, then you're, it's not going to know and you're going to have to tell us. I will usually start a new prompt thread and then I would be telling it, this is my nonprofit. Here's the information from the homepage, maybe about page, right? And you just paste, like copy that information, you paste it in and you say, do you understand? You ask it. Understand? Yes, I understand that your nonprofit focuses on blah, 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 blah. So I usually, the first four or five threads, I'm feeding it the same information about my personal brain and business, if that's what, I, if that's what it's focused on, for every new prompt. And I found myself doing that again and again. It takes a little patience up front, but then every prompt from now on out, results are way improved because it now knows about, you're not just helping me with a nonprofit, my nonprofit that you now know about. You're saying that you go through that process per thread, and then yep. you cut and paste it for each yeah, because thread that you're starting. If I'm starting a social media prompt thread, you are a social media expert that's going to help with conversions and grow my social media accounts to blah, 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 blah for my nonprofit organization. Okay, that's the prompt. You That's how you start the whole thread up. Then you're going to say... First, let me tell you about the nonprofit that I run or I'm a part of or whatever anything is. That was founded and you give it some basic information and, you, and then you're going to say, found, nonprofit found at this website, URL. Here's the messaging from my homepage. Copied my homepage text that's on the homepage of my nonprofit organization website. Paste it into ChatGPT. And then at the end of that, before I hit enter, I say yes if you understand. And it reads it just an intern would, an assistant would. It reads through there and goes, oh, I got a little bit. Yeah, I understand that. Great. Here's the section. Here's some messaging from our about page for our nonprofit that tells you a little bit more about our history and blah, 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 blah. Insert the text. Before you hit return, you add a line that says, say yes, if you understand. It goes, yes, I get it, blah, blah, blah. Because if you don't say that, what I've learned is you don't say that if you just paste in your about page information or Let's say you've created a page or two about the, your big fundraising event or your capital campaign that you're in, and you just throw it in there, paste it in there, and hit enter. It's going to try to start helping you out. And so I'm usually like, I don't want you to help me out yet. I need you to understand a few more things about me. So if you finish it with, say, yes, if you understand, it knows, yes, I understand. You're going to keep feeding me information before you really want something from me. Does that make sense? So I yeah. do that every time. If you... That's a social media expert. Now, if you say, hey, you're a, fund, a fundraising expert, right? That's a new thread. Again, just back to the text message thread. You guys have no idea what Rhea and I have been texting about. So I got to start over from the top and build out the knowledge base about, and I'm going to end up doing the same thing every time to get it to know my, because in a new chat thread, it's starting from ground zero. It can't appeal to another thread and go, I already know about your nonprofit because you told me in that thread. It's like so different silos. 
Yeah, so let's back up a second because I've been playing with ChatGPT and I found that all of the different chats get a little bit unruly. So you talked a little bit about a tool that you found helpful because I'm like, if you've been using it for a while, you basically just have a bajillion chat threads and you're like, I don't remember what I was talking about. Yeah, so I one of the things I will do in ChatGPT, if you just stay there, one, you want to name those threads very carefully. So when you start a new chat, it'll start a new little thing up there, and it's going to give it a generic name. You can click the little button that says rename that thread, kind of like you can rename a group message or whatever in your phone if you get caught in one of those group groups. You're like, I don't know this group from that group. So you can give it a name. And then what I would, what I have found helpful is you give it a name according to the persona or like what you hired it to do. So like fundraising expert GPT, social media expert GPT, copywriting expert GPT, marketing specialist GPT, business strategist GPT, legal counsel GPT, whatever. And then if you're, if you happen to be working with more than one nonprofit, then I'd put a dash, right? So it's social media, GPT, dash, the name of the nonprofit. So I'll do that for clients, right? I've got client work. So I may have copywriting, conversion copywriting expert, GPT for RIA, conversion copywriting for client two or whatever. And I'm, because each one of those threads is independent. So if you'll keep them named that way, particularly if all you're doing is working with your nonprofit, there's probably, I don't know, there's, if you started off, like you're just getting started today and you'll follow this advice, then you could look through your chat threads. I got about 12 experts that I've hired. And once you start that thread, you can just run with that as long as you want for social media related to your nonprofit. You go to the copywriting one for copywriting related to the, you don't have to start over. So that's super helpful when you're getting started because it starts to get, oh my Lord, where did I put that? And so it's really about starting off organized and you'll save yourself a ton. There is, there are several resources. The one Rhea is talking about is I have a buddy that created one called Magi, M-A-G-A-I.co, I think, I think it's .co. But it's, it sits on top of ChatGPT, so it's using the same engine underneath to do the stuff, but it sits on top of it. It allows you to create folders. It allows you to save prompts. It allows you to organize those chats. So here's all my chats about this particular fundraiser. How you would normally organize folders, you can do it in there and organize your chats that way. And in a second, I'll, I can throw, a, I'll find the official link and throw it in there. You don't have it re up, but yeah, there's Great. lots of those kinds of tools that can sit on top and organize. There's some plugins, but that's one I've used. It's actually, again, it's a friend of mine, so I know him and it's done very well. Okay. I'm going to jump around a little bit because there's some questions mm -hmm. coming in from the chat. Sure. Let's talk about data security. So we know that we work with lots of sensitive data, particularly as it pertains to donors and donations and personal information. Should we be worried about this information being fed into the giant algorithms and or privacy? I would think so. So whatever asterisk chat GPT and my lawyer would tell me to tell you right now that I am not giving you legal advice and I'm not a lawyer, blah, 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 blah. Let's assume all that. Common sense would say, if you have huge donor, Bill Gates is a secret donor. I know it, but he doesn't want anybody else to know it. I wouldn't be feeding his name and social security number and all that into ChatGPT, right? That's not a smart idea. So some things to consider because they're using the data that we inserted to improve the model, 
to improve ChatGPT and to improve the AI. So it is not completely some top secret vault, so know that. So some things to consider. If you're using it for anything related to a story or a person connected to your nonprofit, and so Rhea's nonprofit, let's say, served me. Okay, when you're in ChatGPT asking it for help with the story, maybe you don't use my real name just to protect, right? You can use a fake name, whatever. So those would be some examples. You maybe Rhea mentioned you can you could dump some donor information in there and then have it do spit back some information, some stats, summaries, whatever you want to do. Leave off the first name, last name when you insert it in there, right? When you export it out of your fundraising database or whatever, your donor management system, then okay, we'll just don't paste that part in there. So one of the big ones would be names, right? Obviously, if you're in a location that's super sensitive for political reasons or religious affiliation reasons or whatever, then, you know, you might just be aware of that. All right. Good thinking. Let's talk about ingesting information. So a question coming in, Katie, Mm. I don't know if you want to jump in here to ask your question about reading different foundations, Katie? Yeah, sure. So I am a communications manager and also grant writer for my nonprofit. And I was just wondering, one of the things we like to do when we do write grants is to match the tone and the wording that they use on their own websites. Would you say this is a good use case for just doing a quick analysis of that kind of thing? Yes, it is a remarkable research assistant. The downside is to really get that accurate, again, you probably need to copy the information from that site and paste the messaging in. If that grant is coming from an organization that is well-known and has existed before 2021, you can start by asking it, are you familiar with, or insert whatever it is, the blah, blah, blah foundation? Yes. Tell me some things about it (laughs) because I've put my, you can put a website address in there and ask it if it knows something and it will at the very least take an educated guess. Okay, so I did that for mine. And at first I was like, look at you reading up on me. And then I looked and I was like, look at you. You didn't read up on me. You're totally bluffing it. You made some educated guesses at the moment. This won't be this way for long. At the moment, you can't have it. It cannot go out and access a live website. You can stick that URL in there and tell it to go read the messaging or whatever. It can guess, or it can guess based on if it's a well-known thing before 2021, it may have information about it. But if it's a if it's a brand new website that got put up two weeks ago, it can't go read that. Now, there are plugins and stuff that kind of allow you to go do that. But for our instance, yes, you could do that, paste in the information and have it do that, which a good cousin of this is if it's a well-known book, fundraising book, you can ask it, right? Hey, summarize the book. What are the key takeaways from this resource? And then you can say, ooh, apply that cool takeaway from that resource to this fundraising project. So there's some cool ways you can get it to both match that or go learn something about. Yeah. And you can, once you feed it that information, you can ask it, what did you notice about the tone or whatever of the this organization's homepage or brand? So let's ask a kind of technical question, because I I certainly have run into this myself. What do you do, Robbie, when the cut and paste thing that you have is too long? (laughs) Because there's a there's a limit to how much. Yes, there's a limit to how many characters you can put in a thread and how many characters it will output. 
So if you say write a 10, 10 chapter novella on whatever, it's not going to be able to fit all that in one prompt. I forget. I've looked. I forget. I think it's 5,000 ish characters per what you can insert and what it will output per prompt before it like stops and waits. So this is very common. If you're, if you have, if Rio wants to take the transcript from this call and paste it into chat GPT and then tell it to summarize our call and pull out any key takeaways, that's not all going to fit in one, like you can't just copy the whole 45 minute transcript and dump it in there. So you can tell it that the best thing I've found is you can tell it over the next seven prompts, I'm going to paste in the transcript from a call. Okay. I will tell you when the transcript is complete after prompt seven. And then I will usually be very meticulous at times it like tracks with me one or two and I go to paste that third one in and it starts generating. I'm like, ah, stop talking. Right. I didn't tell you I didn't need your help yet. And so I will say part one of one of seven, the top paste that part in. And before I hit enter, I say, and the next prompt, I will, I'll give you part two. Say yes. If you understand, it'll say yes. I'll say part two of seven, paste it in before I hit enter. Say, and the next prompt, I'll paste part three. Say yes, if you understand, yes. And if you'll just meticulously do that at the start and at the close of each one of those, then you can get to all seven. You can parse it out in seven, and then you can say, all right, now you have the information, go do X, Y, Z, whatever you want to do. Wait, can you tell us the prompt again, just so we're... I have said, I had a consulting call with... Uh, Ria, I will, I'm going to paste the transcript in from the call and I need your help to summarize the call, pull out any key takeaways, highlight any action steps that uh, Ria needs to take and list any resources mentioned during our conversation. Okay. Say yes. If you understand, yes, I understand. That's what you want me to do. And then my next prompt, I'll say, I will paste the transcript from our call over the next seven prompts. And then I'll put part one of seven, hit shift and return. That's how you like hit return without it submitting it. Paste a section of the transcript in that I know I feel like I'll do that. Sometimes if that's a transcript, I'll maybe do it in five minute blocks, right? If your transcript has time markers, like, so that way you don't get lost if, oh my gosh, what did I, right? So some chunk that you're like, ah, that'll fit in five minute blocks, one of seven, right? So you can go look 45 minutes. Go do some math or ask chat GPT, 45 minutes divided by five minutes. What is that? You forgot your basic division. And then, so this is one of one of five. So this is part one of five of the transcript. Okay. Hit shift return, paste in that part of the transcript, that five minutes of text. I usually put close quote. Still on that same prompt, I will say, this is the end of part one. Say yes, if you understand. Yes. Got it. Okay. okay. That's, That's about helpful. all it'll say. Then you start the next prompt. You say, this is part two of five. Paste in the transcript. Before you hit submit, you say, this is part, this is the end of part two of five. Say yes, if you understand. Yes. Okay. So that's how you handle something long that you're trying to paste in that's too long to fit in one prompt. When it mm -hmm. generates something that's too long for it to fit in one prompt, you can usually tell because it finishes like mid-sentence and you're like, oh, cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. You can just tell it to continue or continue where it left off. But you can literally, usually you can just say continue and it'll pick up right there and keep on cruising. So we've been talking a lot about the creation of content, but I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about analysis and ingestion. 
of content and questions coming in about will foundations use this to quote unquote read proposals? And I think that they probably already are. I know for-profit companies are using this as a way to parse through job applicants. So tell us a little bit about your predictions for how foundations might be using this to to read proposals at scale and might keywords come into play here? I think fairly soon. I've seen some talk out there about, I think it's slowly rolled out to a few early testers within ChatGPT. So no other outside plugins, no other, you're not on some other tool or resource or software that's using ChatGPT underneath it, but native inside of ChatGPT, the ability to go read a live website is, I think, probably coming fairly soon. The ability to upload a PDF and have it read that, I think, will be coming fairly soon. The ability to take a prompt that it generated, like a response that it generated, and turn it into a file type, like create, oh, that's a great answer to that. Can you put that in a PDF and have it like spit out a PDF is probably coming pretty soon. And we've already seen AI has been used to like cipher information faster than a human for much earlier than ChatGPT just came on board. So that's not new. We all know that certain companies have cool speakers in our homes that have been listening to stuff for a while and ciphering it and figuring it out and knowing, oh, what's my keyword that you want me to awake to and actually respond? So that part's not new. So will that be coming around the corner, I think that's a no-brainer. Yeah. Feed it large things of information. It can process it way faster and then ask it what you want for that. Summarize this. How Are there any repeated words? What are the most often repeated six-syllable words or whatever you want to ask it? And it'll be able to spit that out. Last question for me. We talk a lot about training the algorithms and the inherent biases that might come into play based on the people who are training the algorithm. Is that something that you think about and is that relevant to chat GPT here? Yes. I Somebody's setting up guardrails. So if right now, if you're in chat GPT, I was on a call with a friend and we were doing like a group call just like this. And we were talking about AI and friend said something funny about how old their iPhone was. And I like went to chat GPT and was like, Hey, write a joke, making fun of my friend's old iPhone. And it's, it can't be mean or rude, or I can't help you do that. And you're like, okay, this is my friend. If you knew my friend, come on, dude, just give me a joke. So somebody has put those guardrails in place. We will find loopholes in it. I know I heard you, you may have already heard a story. I know I heard some story that Vanderbilt university. And the states put out something. They put this response was like written by ChatGPT. Something in that was wrong. And you're putting it out to a university that's known for its scholarship. Did not go well. Okay. <laughs> to what degree those biases will in- impact or the output that you get, it likely depends on how close to the edge you are on anything culturally that is seen as a pretty hot topic. So it's not mm-hmm. going to do hate stuff. If you're way on the edge on some sort of political thing, it does appear that there's at least some guardrails in there. So I think, but if you're kind of low, I'm just trying to raise funds for my nonprofit to go do 
XYZ, I don't know that there's anything in there that's, that it's going to say. And I, I can't give you a subject line about an email to build a new shelter for orphans. It's not going to. And do you think, I know that folks in the nonprofit field are always thinking about things like values and mm. impact and social justice. Ethically speaking, do you think that we should be indicating where ChatGPT has generated content for us? I don't think so. Again, insert same lawyer, all the legal stuff. I'm not blah, blah, blah. I, there, my, I've helped my wife use this a little bit in some work she's done. She does not work with me in my business. She has her own business, right? She had maybe some of the same fears like, are you going to know that this came from ChatGPT? Or is it going to say the same thing? So if Rhea puts in the prompt and I put in the prompt, is it going to spit out the same thing? I'm going to get caught for plagiarism or very unlikely no. If you're just taking things, input prompt into ChatGPT, write an article, write or whatever, don't even read it. Just copy it, paste it verbatim, and assign your name to it. I approve this message. Without ever looking at it, probably shame on us. <laughs> That's pretty foolish. You wouldn't do that with an assistant, with anybody else, likely. Never look at it, never, never. So because of that, because likely you are someone for your nonprofit, you just need to set these instructions up. This is a little bit of a new reality. So if you have a content creator or a social media person working with your nonprofit, either internally to the team or you hire that out, and they're using ChatGPT, no problem. Just make the rules clear. Hey, just so we're clear, you're never allowed to take something from ChatGPT and not be not review it carefully and sign your name and your job to it. <laughs> like your job's on the line if something goes wrong. So don't ever just throw something out there without being willing. Am I willing to get fired over this because I didn't read it or review it or look at it? So because that's coming through a human's hands and you're not just churning out content and copy paste directly over, I don't really see a need because it's unlikely that you will absolutely not edit anything. It's yeah. going to get you 80% of the way there. You're going to put some final touches on it. So I don't see any reason to go. 83.2% of this was originally generated. Nobody okay, has to care for that. Last question, Robbie. I know I keep saying last question, but I know we have to let yeah, you go. Yeah. When this is changing so quickly, we're thinking about new issues every day. There are new apps online. How would you recommend that folks keep abreast of things mm. that are coming down the pike? Because I'm in it right now. I'm like watching YouTube. I'm looking at tutorials. I'm looking at you know Twitter. I mean, it, it's a lot. How do we stay abreast of the newest and greatest without feeling totally overwhelmed? Like our head is going to explode. It's yeah. It's much easier to have head explosion than it is to not recognize stuff is going on. If I was you. There's a couple of things. One, you need to figure out what your role is in the nonprofit that you're a part of and use some wisdom as to the time constraints that puts on you, right? And then factor in your life, like your real life. I get clients that ask me this all the time when I'm asking them strategy stuff and they're like, tell them about like at work or at home. I'm like, unless you figured out how to live two lives, I'm talking about one thing. I'm talking about you. Okay. All of us are in different life stages. Maybe you have small kids. Maybe you have apartment with six other people that you share it with. So you take all of that, use wisdom, take all that in. And then I would find a trusted resource or two that you want to listen to, to keep track of this. 
Because if you listen to 10 voices, you're going to get overwhelmed. If you start just doing searches, there's list after list of keeping up with all the tools and limit who you listen to. If it's big like this, you'll find out about it. That's why you're on the call. You're like, I don't know anything about this. It came across my desk. I've heard of this. And so I hopped on today's call, right? So if it's big, like you'll find out about it, number one. Number two, same thing with the resources out there. There's a bajillion AI resources. So keep it limited. Like start with ChatGPT, get comfortable using it, see if it is helpful for you before you worry about like 10 other tools out there. Don't do that because you're immediately going to get overwhelmed and overloaded. So be very limited of the voices that you're listening to of where you're getting information and be cool not being like, unless you want to quit your nonprofit and be futuristic AI, got the finger on the pulse of AI, then don't worry about it. Listen to one or two places, follow Rhea, let her do all the hard work and let her summarize that for you. And then secondly, same thing with the tools that you use of all the AI tools, pick one, master that one, maybe add one more. Don't worry about having more than three in your toolkit. I use, right now I use pretty much ChatGPT and that's it. I know there are other ones out there, but. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. And I have a couple of resources that I will link in the show notes. There's a directory of new AI tools that are coming out all the time, which can be a little overwhelming, but I want to direct people to the ChatGPT bundle that I put together. It's 45 minutes of ways that you can use ChatGPT for fundraising. And it's probably already outdated and I just did it last week. So there you go. Technology. Woo. Robbie, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for everything. I will, I put your information in the show notes if folks want to get in touch with you. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Do you want to talk about your chat GPT bundle? Oh yeah. If you're interested, my buddy and I, who Rhea knows very well, we put together a chat GPT prompt Bible that has a lot of what we've talked about. It's extremely well organized. So if you're like, I'm looking for help with social media, it's got a real long section about that. I'm looking for help for copywriting. I'm looking for some basic help. I'm looking for advanced help. Hey, Show me how to take this content I want to write and put it in a popular content framework, a copywriting framework that is proven effective. It will tell you how to write like a particular copywriting expert, right? <laughs> so write this like in the in framework, okay? It's a proven framework. I'll get that link to Rhea and we'll, that's available. I think it's 97 bucks. It includes some training. Those are all broken down and it includes that chat prompt Bible, which has, I don't know, 250 plus prompts all organized. So like you can, you don't have to read it from top to bottom. You just do a search for, I want help with LinkedIn, or I want help with copywriting or email or research or business strategy or vision statements or whatever. Awesome. Robbie, thank you so much for being on the call, for dropping some chat GPT knowledge. And you know what, y'all join my Slack community too. It's starting to grow and I want us to all just share our use cases and learn together because this is a new technology and we're all going to learn. So thanks so much. Robbie, have a good night. All right. You too.